So I count it as an incredible privilege to pastor this church, to be able to call myself your pastor. And a lot goes into that, to call yourself the pastor of a church. But what would you say is the most important thing I do in my role as pastor of the church, a pastor of Trilogy. Some might say preparing a message each week is the most important thing I do. And it is one of my favorite things that I get to do. I love sermon research. I love the writing process. I love the preaching process. I love everything about it. It's one of my favorite things I get to do. I love preaching God's word and growing along with you in our knowledge and application of God's word in our daily lives. Now, some might say the most important thing I do is caring for people. And that's hugely important. Ministering to people when they're sick, dedicating babies, doing weddings and funerals, and walking alongside people in significant moments in their lives, and even the mundane moments of their lives. That's big too. But neither of these are what I would consider to be my highest responsibility as your pastor. As far as I'm concerned, the most important thing I do is not preach to you or care for you. The most important thing I can do is to pray for you to call out to God on your behalf and to ask God to protect you, empower you, provide for you, and grow you in your walk with Jesus. Some of you have heard me talk about this before, but one of the ways that I do that is just a practical way for me is that every time I send a text or an email or call someone on the phone from Trilogy, I pray for them. I stop. I whisper a prayer, ask God to strengthen them and that his blessing would rest on your life. I, every time I communicate with one of you through digital means or phone or anything like that, I take time to pray for you. So anytime you get a message from me, know that that message comes with a prayer as well. Now, why is this so important? Because prayer is so important. Communication with God is the foundation of our relationship with God. It's how he works in our lives. God has chosen to work through prayer. It's how he transforms us. It's how things get done in the spiritual realm. And as we continue our journey here through the 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, today I want to talk about how do we learn to pray with power and with passion. And just so you all know, uh, we are, uh, I think this is day 16 uh, in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, this next week, we will still be gathering every morning at 7 a.m. for our time of prayer as a church on Zoom. And it's been a powerful time every morning uh, as Pastor Ken has shared what God has laid on his heart, given us a devotional teaching, uh, just some time even beforehand just to connect with your, your church family. And then we pray together. And so we're going to be doing that uh, once again every day this week. We'll, our last one will be this coming Friday morning. So technically, for those of you who are math people, I know it's 22 days. We're doing it anyway, okay? Uh, we will close it on Friday. Friday morning will be the last one, uh, and uh, we will end the 21 days of prayer and fasting. But uh, join us, and if you haven't yet jumped in and taken some time to really pray about what God would have you do in your personal decision of fasting and what, how, what God has laid on your heart, consider doing that this week. And take a day or take two days and, and fast and pray and seek God and watch him transform your life and your circumstances through that. But how many of you would say, I absolutely believe in the power of prayer, and yet I probably don't pray as much as I should? Anybody? Okay. Most of the hands in the room went up there. Why is it that we know that we have a good God who answers the prayers of his children, and yet so many of us don't pray as we know we should. Why is that? I think there's probably several reasons why. Some people honestly don't really know how to pray, 
We lack confidence in knowing that we're praying the way we're supposed to. Uh, we wonder, are we doing it right? Uh, some people may actually get bored while you're praying. You simply run out of things to say. Uh, a lot of you, you're probably a little bit like I am. I can be like an ADD prayer guy, okay? Uh, I got great intentions. I'm like, dear God, would you pour out your blessing? And then pour makes me think of pour over, and now I want coffee. And there's this shiny thing out there that I'm like, you know, chasing in my mind. Where did that come from? How do I lose focus in one sentence? And yet it happens. It's just the way that we can be sometimes. Sometimes prayer times in a group can be a little awkward. Uh, I'm pretty thankful that this next practice has kind of fallen out of common use. But it used to be that you went to a prayer meeting and you held hands with people you've never met before. It was like just you'd, you'd form a circle and you'd all hold hands together. I was never a fan, okay? I'm just going to come clean. I know I'm a pastor and all, and I'm supposed to like this stuff. Never liked that. What I never liked about holding hands in prayer groups is I was always getting unequally yoked with my prayer hand holders, okay? Uh, I always get like a hard squeeze prayer guy on one side and then the dead fish hand on the other side. You know, it's like hard squeeze prayer guy. The louder the prayer gets, the harder he squeezes as if there's going to be more power if he cuts off all the blood to your fingertips. And then dead fish guy, you're like... Give me something. You know, is that thing alive? It's like you're holding hands with a mannequin. Uh, anyway, sorry, I'm reliving past trauma here. Um, sometimes you'll get intimidated when someone else really prays well. You know, they use King James words when they pray. Uh, or, you know, Moses' little brother is in your neighborhood group, you know, and he's quoting scripture in his prayers. He's like, dear God, that, you know, I thank you that you said in Deuteronomy 28 that we are blessed coming in and blessed going out, and they're calling down angels, and they're binding demons, and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, dude, that's good. Like, I'm thinking if I were God, I'd answer that prayer just because it sounds so good. I don't know if you ever have frustrations like that in your prayer life, but I think as we grow in our faith, all of those things are real to us at some point in time. But what I want to do today is really let God do a work in us to teach us and move us to pray with power and with passion. Because I think that is, those are two things that are lacking in a lot of Christ followers' prayer lives, is power and passion. And I want to start today with what I believe are two big prayer mistakes that so many of us tend to make. And the first one is this, big prayer mistake number one, our prayers are often too small. Our prayers are often too small. Sometimes we're not asking God for enough. We are either downplaying God's ability or we're downplaying God's willingness, but we don't bring the big ask in our times of prayer. Now, number two, I think our prayers are often too general. We're not getting specific enough with God. The prayer is so general that the answer could come without God even being necessary. When we pray to God, I believe so many of our prayers are really too small or they are too general. To me, sometimes I think God must, could honestly get a little frustrated with the lack of faith that some of us demonstrate in what we pray for. I think too many people pray like this, God, thank you for this day. I pray you bless me or bless so-and-so. And sometimes I wonder if God isn't going, have you looked where you live in the part of the world you're in? You're already blessed, but I'm happy to do it. Or we're like, God, just be with us today. And God's like, I've told you I'd never leave you or forsake you. So you're asking me for something I've already given you, but I'll, I'm willing to do it. Or God, give us traveling mercies as we go. To, and God's like, okay, easy. Give me something big. In other words, I wonder if God isn't saying, ask me for something that will help show off my glory when I answer it. Why is it we underestimate the power of a God who said, with me, all things are possible? 
I wonder if the lack of specificity in our prayers and the small scope of our prayer ever kind of breaks the heart of God. I could do so much more if you would just have the faith to ask me. Many of us, we pray very small, very general prayers. And I'm going to encourage you to pray big and specific prayers because general prayers do not move God to specific actions. I want to say that again because some of you might have missed the importance of that. General prayers do not move God to specific actions. Listen to what James says about this in James 4.2. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. He's saying, get specific, ask God, tell him what you need. What I want to do is I want to ask God for very specific requests and have the faith to believe that he can do things that otherwise would be impossible to ever see happen. Then all of a sudden, we do see them, and then there's no one that could deny that that must have been by the hand of God because it would have taken God to pull something like that off. I want to pray big faith-filled, specific, and passionate prayers. In fact, let me give an example of a prayer like this. I love to read the prayers of the early church fathers because they inspire me and they teach me to pray even more richly. And so there's this crazy story about Martin Luther, uh, who's the father of the Reformation. Uh, He had a friend named uh, Friedrich Myconius, who was his assistant, kind of helped serve him as he was undergoing the enormous task of reforming the church in the 1500s. Well, in 1540, Myconius, his assistant, fell deathly ill and was on his deathbed. And so Myconius writes this letter, a farewell letter, to Luther, thanking him, you know, the end is near, I love you, all this kind of stuff, like, see ya. Luther wouldn't stand for that, and instead of praying a safe little, may the Lord be with you and comfort you type of prayer, he prayed a massive, specific, faith-filled prayer and wrote this in a letter back to his friend Myconius, and that's why we know about this, because he put it into a letter. This is what Luther wrote. He said, I command you in the name of God to live, (laughs) because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying, because I seek only to glorify the name of God. That's a prayer. That is a big and specific prayer. What's even crazier is Myconius had already lost the ability to speak. He was so close to death. He was evidently hours away from death, as they thought. And when he heard this letter, it engaged his faith, and miraculously, the guy was supernaturally healed in that moment. He lived six more years, and guess when he died? Two months after Luther died. So Luther never had to hear that Myconius had died, just like his prayer. That's how specific the response was to a specific and faith-filled prayer by a man who had big enough faith to believe that all things are possible with God. And we're going to learn to pray this way, to tap into the power of God. What we're going to do today is to look at a prayer that Paul, the Apostle Paul, prayed. Paul was a guy that persecuted Christians. He killed Christians. He hated Christians. And then he met Jesus He was transformed, and so he became the first church planner. And he started churches, and he built them up, and then he would go start more churches. And then he would write letters to them. He wrote a big portion of the New Testament through these letters to these churches to bring correction where they had gotten off track, to bring encouragement where they were going through hard times, to to teach and instruct, and all of these things that happened through his letters, his epistles. And when Paul would pray in his letters for the churches, he had a pattern that he would follow as he prayed for these churches. 
And it's a model that he would use the same way over and over again. And what he would do is he would say, I pray, and then he would say what he prays for, okay? I pray that, boom, 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 boom. And you'll see again and again, he'll say, I pray that, blank, so that, so that. And then he would give the reason why he's praying. What is the end result on the other side of this prayer that I am expecting to see happen? What is it? I'm petitioning God for this. I pray that this, so that, here's the result. And it's an incredibly specific thing that he asks God for. Over and over and over again, when Paul prays, you'll see him, I pray for this so that this would happen. And we're going to learn to pray for the very things he prayed for. We're also going to learn to be empowered by God to pray with purpose. God, for this very reason, I ask you to do this so that this will happen in our community, so that this will happen in my family, so that this will happen in the world. The prayer we're going to look at is found in Ephesians chapter 3. There are several we could look at, but this is the one that God led me to. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul wrote this prayer from a Roman prison around the year 60 AD to the church in Ephesus, and he started his prayer this way. When I think of all this, in other words, when I consider everything I've already written to you, which included who you are in Christ, about what God has done in you, about where God is leading you, about how incredible the God we serve is. So he just finished all of this kind of preamble to his prayer, talking about all this stuff. When I think of all of this stuff, because of this, I do what? I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Because of who Christ is, and also who you are in Christ, I fall to my knees and I pray. His awareness of the power of Christ and what was possible drove him to pray. What's interesting is that prayer posture was not common. In, in the early church, they were just coming out of, uh, most of the early Christians were from a Jewish background, and the common way for a Jewish man to pray was standing upright with palms upraised like this, and this is how they would pray with open hands uh, to the Lord. So to fall to his knees was very different than what was traditional Jewish practice of seeking God. And in doing so, he humbled himself before God. He cried out on behalf of the people in the Ephesian church. And then we see in verse 16, I pray that from his, from his what? From his glorious, unlimited resources. Okay, let me stop there for a second. From God's glorious, unlimited resources, out of his glorious riches. When Paul is praying, he is recognizing that his heavenly father has every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms available to his children. I'm praying to a gloriously rich God. I pray that out of his glorious riches, early in Ephesians, Paul had said this. He said, I thank my God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing from the heavenly realms. And what he was saying is God has already made available to us every possible spiritual blessing. Think about that. Every possible spiritual blessing God has made available. There's none that he's held back. There's none that he's saying, no, you're not good enough yet. He's saying, it's here. This is the God to whom I pray. I pray that God, out of his glorious riches, and Paul said in Philippians 4, another letter to another church, he said that my God will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches. And what I want you to hear, church, is we serve an infinitely spiritually rich heavenly father, and yet so many of us live like spiritually impoverished children. We serve an 
infinitely spiritually rich father. And yet we live in this spiritual poverty because we don't ask. We serve a God who has every spiritual blessing available to us in heaven. He desires to give those blessings to us. And way too frequently, we pray small and general prayers. When you ask specific faith-filled prayers, God delights in blessing his children with every spiritual blessing from the heavenly realms. Ephesians 3.16, I pray from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Now, why did he pray that? Why did he pray that God would empower them? Why was that what Paul was leaning towards here? The reason is found in the next verse, verse 17. Then, in other words, when I pray like this, after I've got done praying this for you, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. This is the pattern we see Paul use in his prayers. I pray that God would empower you, that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you this, so that then after this, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. He will give you inner strength through his power. And the Greek word that's translated as power here is the word dunamis, is the Greek word. We get our word dynamite from this Greek root. And it means the explosive, miraculous power of God. It's not like human power. It is the power of God. And I pray that he may strengthen you with dunamis, with supernatural power. And here's something that every one of you needs to hear today. Every one of you needs to take note of this. That power is available to you. To you. Sometimes we forget that. You know, we'll read this, we'll say, well, that, this was Paul praying for the New Testament church. How cool was that? Man, wish we could have some of that today. Guess what? You can and you should. That's exactly the kind of prayer that I'm praying over you as your pastor, that God would strengthen you, that God would empower you, that God would fill you, that God would prepare you for the work that he's called you to. You've got to understand this. This is not something that we can push to the sideline because power from God is not optional. It's not a luxury item. It's not something that, you know, they try to upsell you at the end. You're like, okay, fine, I'll take the higher model. No, there's not a higher model of following Jesus. When we say, Jesus, I submit my life to you. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. I will go where you lead. I will follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for forgiving me, for setting me free, for transforming me. When we get to that point, every spiritual blessing, God says, is available to you. It's how God intends for us to make it. With his power filling us, with his power strengthening us, I desperately need the power of God in my preaching. I need the power of God in my parenting. I need the power of God in my marriage. I need the power of God to overcome temptation. I need the power to stand strong against spiritual opposition. I need more than I have available to me in the physical realm. I need power that can only come from God. And Paul says, I pray that from his unlimited resources that my God would strengthen you with dunamis, with power. It's available to us, and yet so many of us are not tapping into what is available to us. The power is there, but we're not accessing it. Let me give you an example. When I was in college, I lived in the residence halls at the University of Illinois. And my freshman year, I roomed with a friend from high school. 
And for the first few months, uh, we had a broken outlet in our room. And so we plugged the TV into it, nothing. Plugged the stereo in, nothing. And so we ran a cord from the other side of the room, ran an extension cord across the room to where, our, where all our stuff was. And it was awkward, you know, because the cord was stretched across everything, but it worked. We, we got everything powered on. And then we, we had a friend over who was hanging out with us, and he asked why we had an extension cord when there was an outlet right there. And we told him it didn't work. And he said, well, what about that light switch over there? And I said, oh, that doesn't do anything. And then it hit me. That light switch controlled the outlet we thought didn't work. And all we had to do was flip the switch. And now we had access. All that time, one little switch flip, and all the power was available to us, and we never tapped into it. I think we have the same struggle with the Holy Spirit and his purpose in our lives. Church, you need to know that there is more power available to you through the Holy Spirit out of the unlimited resources of God that if you will call out to him, if you will ask him for it, God will provide. Why? Because it is a promise from him. It is something that God said you need. Jesus, when he sent his disciples out, he gave them the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world making disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and surely I am with you even to the end of the age. Jesus says, go, do this, but wait. I'm going back to heaven. You are not to leave Jerusalem. You are not to start on this mission until one thing happens, until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, until the power of God falls on your life, and you are now equipped to do the work that I have called you to do. Guys, that was not for 2,000 years ago. That was for every follower coming henceforth. Henceforth, where did that come from? All of a sudden, (laughs) that's the best I could come up with in the moment. Uh, That is for every one of us as followers of Jesus to experience the power, the infilling of the Holy Spirit to transform us and to empower us to do the work that God has called us to do. Because God is not going to call you to do something that you can do. God's going to call you to do something that only he can do through you. And that requires the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Paul says, I pray. Not that you'll be blessed and that you'll be saved, but that you'll have power. So that the presence of Christ may dwell within your heart. And in verse 17, he continues, your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. Man, if I want my roots planted in anything, It's in the love of my Savior, Jesus. And may you have the, what's the next word? Power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Now, why do we need power to know how much he loves us? Isn't that interesting? May you have the power to understand. And the answer comes in the next verse, in verse 19. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Because God's love is not something to be learned. It's something to be experienced in God's power. God's love is not something to be learned. It's something to be experienced in God's power. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now that's an endgame, church. And listen to the language there. All the fullness of life 
is what Paul prayed for them. Where have we heard those words before? Guys, this was Jesus' life mission statement. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full, more abundantly, a rich and satisfying life. All the fullness of God is what Jesus came to bring us. The Holy Spirit was sent after Jesus returned to heaven to complete that work in us that Jesus made possible through his death and resurrection. And if any of you ever look at someone and you think, why do they have something that I don't have spiritually? Why is it that they seem to have a peace that I don't have? Why is it they seem to have an assurance that I don't have? Why do they seem to have something that I don't have? The answer might be because they have something that you don't have. They have all that God has available to them, and this comes from a supernatural understanding of the love of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us and transform us and empower us. That comes from that supernatural moment. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from a book. It doesn't come from a sermon. It comes from God's Holy Spirit at work within you, in his power, to awaken you to the fullness of God's amazing, miraculous, supernatural, and limitless love. You cannot naturally understand God's love. How do I know that? Because Paul said it. The Bible tells us you can't grasp this without God's power. It has to be supernaturally revealed to you. Our finite minds do not have the capacity on our own to comprehend just how much God loves us. And that's why, parents, one of the most important prayers that you can pray over your child is that God would give them the power to understand how much he loves them. Suddenly, when their approval comes from God and they don't need approval from people anymore. They're not sucked into the temptations of the world, but they stand strong in the approval of God. They're not living for the approval of people. They already have the approval that comes from God. That's why spouses, one of the best things that you can pray for your spouse is that he or she would have the power to understand how much God loves them. Then they will be drawn intimately into a loving relationship with God and be totally transformed. And that knowledge is not something that is naturally understood, has to be supernaturally revealed. And that's why anytime I try to talk about the love of God, I fail miserably. I do not have the vocabulary, nobody does, to give his love justice. With God, love is not what he does, love is who he is. It's the essence of God. God is love. God is love. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. When you recognize that's who God is, then you live in the confidence of there's nothing I can do to cause him to love me more. And there's nothing I can do to cause him to love me less. He doesn't love me because of what I do. He loves me because of who he is. Is. Notice I didn't say, he doesn't love me because of what I do. He loves me because of who I am. No. He loves you because of who he is. God is love. When that knowledge empowers you, suddenly Christianity is not a something that we do on Sundays. It's the essence of who I'm called to be. I'm a Christ follower. I have power that dwells within me so that Christ lives in my inner being. Suddenly, I'm not living for the common things of this world. I have greater purpose. I have power that sometimes you, you meet people like, how do you stay so calm? How come they gave you a bad doctor report, but you just have this crazy peace? There's just this peace about you. You know how? Power. They got power. 
They flip the switch. There's power filling them. One of, my most imp- one of the most important prayers you can pray for those you love, that they may have power to understand just how much God loves them because it has to come from God. You say, well, I don't, I don't fully understand. Someone once asked the famous trumpet player, Louis Armstrong, you know, guy with the cheeks, uh, one time to explain jazz. Louis, tell us about jazz. Can you explain jazz to us? You know what Louis said? He said, if you got to explain it, you ain't got it. If you got to explain it, you ain't got it. If you have to try to explain or learn the love of God, it could be that you haven't been immersed in it yet. You haven't been overwhelmed by it yet. That's one of the prayers I've been praying over you during these 21 days of prayer and fasting, that there would be many in our church who would have deeper and more meaningful spiritual encounters with God. That it wouldn't be just I'm singing a song at church, but instead I'm dwelling in the presence of God. I'm hearing his voice. His spirit is guiding me. When I'm reading his word, it's like it's jumping off the page, giving me encouragement or convicting me in a direction away from my sin, or it's leading me into the right places. I'm having the faith to do things it would seem impossible to do otherwise. It's a little bit like uh, there was a great evangelist named Charles Finney in the 1800s, and he was a follower of Jesus, but then he had this deeper encounter with God later on in his walk with God. And here's how he described it. He said this, The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. And I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come, and here's the part I want you to notice. He said, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. Waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I want all of us to have that kind of encounter with God. Waves of love. What a beautiful image of the love of God. I pray that we would all have power, supernatural power, to understand how much God loves you and that it would be like waves. Just when you think you understand it, more comes. Here comes another wave. And just when you think you sort of under, more comes. And it just keeps hitting you and hitting you, waves and waves and waves and waves. And then one day things start to change in your life because for years you've been dissatisfied. You have so much and that you want so much more. For years, you battled with depression or feelings of loneliness or inadequacy, and suddenly those things start to melt away. Why? Because the power of God is dwelling within you. It's filling you, not just to the top, but it's overflowing you and pouring out into the environment around you, and it's affecting the relationships you have. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead completely fills you. Your identity is not based on what you have or what you do, but on what God thinks about about you. And there's a deep assurance of his love because it's not been naturally learned, but supernaturally revealed. You are never the same. Guess what? Your prayers will change when you know how much God loves you and when his power dwells within you. Your prayers aren't keep us safe today, God, and bless this food and be with us. And yeah, that's all I can think of. Amen. You're praying for big things big things. You're never praying, God, just keep my kids safe today and keep them off drugs. No. God, raise up my children to be spiritual leaders in their school. God, may they stand out for the glory of Jesus. I pray they would be bold in their faith, that they would be leaders in their faith. 
You're praying specific and big prayers for your children. Oh, God, oh, God, I pray for my husband who's a jerk. Make him less of a jerk if you can. No. God, touch the heart of my husband. God, I pray that he would bow his knees in full surrender to your son, Jesus. And he would stand up again as a fully devoted follower of Jesus, a man after God's own heart, that our family would be different because he leads us to the things of God and he is close to Jesus, hearing from his word, that generations would be different because my husband will fully belong to you. Pray big prayers. Pray specific prayers. Believe in a God who says all things are possible with me then your faith grows and it grows and it grows because you have the power of the risen Christ dwelling within you. Let me show you how Paul wraps this prayer up. He basically says that you may be full, the full measure of all God has for you. And here's how his prayer finishes in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty, here's the word again, power, at work within us, his power working in us. In you, that's where his power resides. You are not on your own. When you are weak, his power is made perfect in you. What is he able to do through us? Get this, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. It can't be measured. It's limitless. There's no end to what God can accomplish through his church that is filled with his Holy Spirit and with power. The greatest thing that you can think of, God can do more. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Do you see the faith in this prayer that Paul just prayed? This isn't God help us through the day or even help us through the week. This is may generations be different on the other side of this prayer. Why? Because you can do exceedingly and abundantly more, infinitely more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Who has that kind of faith? Someone who has the power of God dwelling within them. I believe with all my heart that God wants our church to be filled with people who've been touched by the power of God and have the faith to believe for God to do the impossible. And when he does, we're going to tell everybody. Tell them that it's only because God showed up and God showed off that this happened. May he get the glory for generations to come. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning in the name of your son, Jesus, that you would minister to people today. And God, I pray that out of your glorious riches, that you would strengthen this church, strengthen this church with your power, that Christ may dwell in hearts. I pray, God, that we would have the power to know how much you love us so that we could glorify you in all we do. Keep your heads bowed for a second. I just want to ask a couple questions. This is between you and the Lord this morning. Those of you who would say, Jeff, I'm with you. For the next seven days, I'm going to pray Ephesians 3. I'm going to pray it for myself. I'm going to pray it for those I love. I'm going to pray it for our church. I'm praying for power. How many of you will do that with me for the next seven days? Just raise your hand and as a commitment to the Lord. Awesome. I believe God is going to fill some of you with his Holy Spirit this week as you pray. As you pray that prayer and ask God for his power to be at work in your life, I believe God's power is going to be unlocked in some of your lives. Next question I want to ask, how many of you right now, there is something big and something specific that you need to believe God for? 
You've been holding back. Maybe you haven't been bringing it to the Lord regularly, consistently. Maybe you think it's too big. Maybe you think it's, it's past due and so you've given up. But there's something big and something specific that you need to believe God for in your prayer life. And would you lift your hands up right now and say, I'm going to recommit myself to bringing this to the Lord. Awesome. All over the place. Tons of hands. And so, Father, today I pray that over the next seven days as we seek you for power, that you would release the spiritual blessings that you have stored up for us, ready to give us, and we would begin to see the reality of your power in our daily lives. God, I pray for those that, that we love, that they would have the power to know how much you love them. I pray, God, that we would see a difference in the lives of the people that we love because you are, you're revealing your supernatural love for them. And God, for those who are going to believe you for the impossible, I ask, God, that you would continue to build their faith that all things are possible with you. And God, when those little voices say God doesn't care or God won't do this, God, I pray that they would just continue to believe in faith, continue to trust. God, if you do answer our prayer the way we want it, we will praise you. God, if you don't do what we want you to do, we will praise you because we don't come to you for what you can do for us. We come to you because we need you and we want to know you. God, build the faith of this church family that we would experience the true power of the resurrected Christ dwelling within each of us. Holy Spirit, fill your church. Empower us to do the work that you've called us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said.